I have a great opener. Go on. Thanks to my mother, surprisingly, <laughs> sending me videos from Italian relatives, all written in Italian with odd animations that I can never understand. Have you heard of La Bafana? Lolo Brown. Uh, no. But you know, as a good Catholic, that today is the epiphany. I actually thought it was yesterday. <laughs> I thought it was like the third. No, it's the sixth. Uh, I learned this morning. <laughs> I thought it was the fifth. Okay. Um, which is the last day of Christmas. And mm. Italians, in particular Roman Italians, uh, believe that on the night before the epiphany, a witch called La Bifana flies around to all the children and decides if they're naughty or nice. And if they're nice, they get sweets. And if they're naughty, they get a lump of coal or in poorer regions, they got a stick. And this dates back to the 8th century. Thank you very much, Father Christmas. Fuck you. Good night. <laughs> Right. Are you telling me mm. that the patriarchy robbed the feminine character of this role? Um, well, that's not what I read, but I'm going to choose to think of it that way. Yeah, I'm going to choose to read of it that way. <laughs> they did not appear at all anywhere in my research. No. Not even a smidge. No, I've actually never heard of this woman, even though my mother's family is from Rome and... Uh, very Roman in lots of ways. And oh I don't God. know why she didn't do this with us or tell me about this when I was little, but she sent me a video about it today and I was staring at this bizarre, overly saccharine computer graphic. I was staring at this overly saccharine cartoon character video in the way that Italian drawings often are. And I was like, why is there a witch in this Christmas video? <laughs> so I googled <laughs> La Bifana. And there's three different backstories to her, uh, all, all sort of on a similar theme. Uh, one is that she was a a witch or a, a woman who the three wise men came across when they were searching for Jesus. And in one story, she, I know, amazing. In one story, uh, they said, hey, oh, come with us. And she was like, I'm too, I'm too busy cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why she has a broom. And then she like, changes her mind and goes with them and presents gifts with the wise men to baby Jesus. In the second version of the story, which is the darker version, she has lost her own child and she hears about the birth of the baby Jesus and like in a fit of grief and madness thinks that this could be her baby. So she goes and searches for Jesus and that's why she visits every year. And it's like a, a comfort for her because Christ is found in every single child and that's why she gives all children gifts because of her lost baby it's really sad and then the this last is one so good I know it's the best story why do oh. we know about a story it's amazing and then the because last it's one a woman in history <laughs> yeah I know I know um and then the last one she um is it, it, this amalgamation of the two just without the grief of the death of her own child so she decides she changes her mind she's like fuck this cleaning ship that's why she's got a broom and she uh she decides to go and visit the Christ child, but can't find him. So searches every year for Christ and leaves gifts for all the children. And so that's why she flies around on a broomstick and children are supposed to stay in bed. Otherwise, she smacks them around the head with a broomstick. It's fucking brilliant. This, what, is, this is absolute joy. Amazing. Why? Amazing, right? Amazing. <laughs> How is this in all of my Catholic upbringing and 
all of everything. I even sat down and researched the origins of people that gave gifts at Christmas as this sort of time, and they have never appeared. Mm-hmm. Ever. No, I've never heard of it either, and it's fucking awesome. So, <sighs> Labafana, everybody, this is the new thing we celebrate at Christmas. It's I'm awesome going to start celebrating. Oh. So yeah, evening of the 5th of January is the, to the 6th morning of the Epiphany is when she flies about on her little witchy broomstick. Oh, nice. So we'll yeah. see her. That'll be good. Yeah. Aww. I'll light some stage for her. Come on in, babe. <laughs> oh, and you're supposed to leave for something. Oh, I think, oh, it's, oh, a, oh, I think oh. it's a glass of wine. It gets even better. <laughs> no way. No yeah. fucking way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's I a Wikipedia entry I will go buy a, red wine, a bottle of red wine tonight and I'm going to have myself a little witchy ceremony and bring her right in. Oh, it's so God. fucking good. If you want to Google it, any listeners, it's B-E-F. A N A Bafana, the legend. Bafana. Yeah, La Bafana. La, so, La Bafana? Yeah. So Buona Bafana is what it said with a witch at the end of this video my mum sent me. And I'm like, okay, why is my mum <laughs> sending me a video about a witch from her cousin Carlos, who normally just sends really creepy, super saccharine Christian stuff? Here we are. Wait. God, wait. I'm... Wait. <laughs> I'm trying to find the wine reference, obviously, the most important bit. It's so good, right? Oh, God, it's beautiful. I'm going to go away and research her. She sounds absolutely phenomenal. Also, it sounds really quite like they are missed in like the origins of witches as well, because we did a whole episode on fucking like witches and I looked into like historical figures and nothing there. They seem quite prevalent to the point where they're still still appearing on modern Roman. What? 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 Oh, and she also cleans. Which is great. <laughs> I love so she this comes woman. in and cleans the house. Yeah, she comes in, looks around, leaves some gifts for the kids, has a little sweep up after her because you know that's what women do uh, or trained oh to. My- okay, it's so just mums. The child's family typically leaves a small glass of wine and a plate of some morsels of food. She's usually portrayed as a hag riding a broomstick in the air, wearing a black shawl, and is covered in soot because she enters the children's houses through the chimney. Amazing. Amazing. What? Mind's blown. <laughs> what? <They are> co- <laughs> so hang on, wait. Have we just blown this wide open? That Santa Claus and Father Christmas has been ripped off entirely from a like, witchy female character. Well, don't get too excited. It's a Catholic tradition. But it's old. <laughs> well, yeah, 8th century. It's a lot older At than least. the... Eighth century, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much older than all of the stuff that you researched for Santa. Yes, yeah. I think it's that weird thing where we despise the Catholics because they created Catholicism. I think that's the shortest <laughs> way to say that. And in we're going to so, start loving them again in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I think by ripping off and stealing most of the pagan traditions, they kept alive a lot of the f- divine feminine in a way that later Christianity just didn't. Yes. I think you're totally right. They really did. And they kept a lot of the campery alive as well. Like they oh, the they kept the frivolity of it. A lot of Catholicism is frivolous as fuck. It's gold, it's garish, it's feasting, it's wine. And what we're going to learn today in particular is that there's like, there is a huge undercurrent of like sex and this beautiful, like interesting female pleasure sort of side of it as well, which I have now decided that is going to be my thesis. You remember when other things became my thesis? <laughs> I have found other things to be my thesis. <laughs> and your 27th PhD. 
I want to do. We have time. I want to do my PhD in the history of the dildo. I've decided that's exactly. <laughs> Is this where before or be. after periods or the clitoris? <laughs> Anything that goes inside me or comes out of me, I want to do a PhD in it. <laughs> Entrances and exits, a oh seventy thousand page thesis by Lolo Brown. If it's a dildo um, PhD, then it is will be a PhD. Yay! If that dildo <laughs> looks like a poo, all of your loves are combined oh. in one. Do you know that's called space? No, it's not space docking. Oh, it is space docking. I heard space docking was when it was actually a poo. Uh, yeah, when it's frozen poo. Yeah. Oh God. I wonder if there's poo-shaped dildos. There must be, surely. Bear me a sec. I'm surprised you haven't come across this before. Uh, it's not my thing, so I haven't looked at it. Um, or is this all just a double bluff? Um, <laughs> I've never heard of this. <laughs> Tap I've history, never. 17th entry down. <laughs> Most frequently visited site. No, nothing's coming up. Maybe you have to go to the dark web for it. It was all just about the frozen poo. Nope. Nothing there. Um, but I will do more research into that because there's no way in hell that we have dildo-shaped like zombie dick and we don't have a poo-shaped dildo somewhere. There's got to be poop-shaped dildos. Yeah, there has to be. One thing I've discovered from this research is that we have done everything. And I have barely scratched the surface. I don't know about you. I actually don't know specifically what you've researched today, so I don't know how we'll start and do this. Well, I think this episode... You can lead and I'll just interject along the way because I got lost for an hour and a half in what is in fact the first article I googled trying to research 18th century female sexual desire and stumbled across a fascinating yet incredibly long, I didn't even manage to finish it and I'm a relatively quick reader, article that just tracked how society talked about sex in general and felt about sex all the way from the 1800s and I only got up to like the in between Mm. the war period it was fascinating depressing uh pretty fucked up and the large thing of it is which I'm sure you come across this is actually quite difficult to know what attitudes to sex were but actually through periods they were much more different to how we think about sex nowadays and how we think instinctually people must have thought about sex during those periods than I had realized but the long and the short of it can be summed up by the fact that if you're a woman you're fucked (laughs) sadly not literally but uh, in terms of theory and societal pressure to be various things namely our pleasure doesn't really matter that much interesting But hopefully some of that will prove useful as we discuss your research. Oh, no, that'd be great. Hello, listeners, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the the show. We hope you had an absolutely gloriously quiet Christmas. And a dull new year. Yeah. Uh, um, we are coming to you from lockdown 3.0 as we enter 2021. <laughs> God. <laughs> Ginsald, if I'd have known that that jingle would still be relevant in January 2021, I would have had a nervous breakdown. Ginsald, <laughs> uh, while I watch people cry about lockdown while we've been in tier four, fuck you. <laughs> I feel really sorry for, is it the Isle of Silly, who went from tier one to tier five? (laughs) Sorry, guys. Sorry, we just dragged you down with us. But thank you for your solidarity. And you're just safe in the fact that you haven't got that many cases. I woke up this morning to my phone pinging up an article saying even more tougher measures are coming in as cases spiral. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What more? I am sitting 
in my flat. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I don't... Um, good news um, is it's driving rental prices down, so hopefully I'll find somewhere, even though it's becoming increasingly harder by the day. How's your house hunting? Um, yeah, do you know what? It's, it's, it's happening. The only way I can describe it, and it's going to sound really sad, is that my little heart can't take any more disappointment. So it's just getting a bit like... Oh, this I'm... isn't a death trap. I'll move in. <laughs> I'm just... And you said no asbestos. Brilliant. <laughs> I went to a place last night. I thought you're gonna. So at nine thirty last night, I found a Gumtree article for. A flat I thought you said you up. found a gun. I was like, oh, this is taking a turn. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Mate, um, carry on. Gumtree, kids. (laughs) And I found like kind of the perfect situation for me. It looked perfect. And I messaged them and they instantly messaged back, being like, oh, you can come around tonight. And I was leaving the house and being like, "Mm, it's a bit late for a house viewing, but here we are. (laughs) Texting my partner, being like, this is the address I'm going to. (laughs) Turned up and it was completely falsely advertised in every single way. It was the size of uh, like a cupboard. The pictures were not the pictures that sent. And the first thing they said to me, oh, by the way, we hate cats. And I was like, why did you let me come over? I told you I had a cat. And they were just like, uh, I don't know. We thought maybe you might change your mind. I was like, well, that's not really happening. And then they're like, oh, by the way, there's no visitors. And I was like, oh, is that a COVID thing? They're like, no, we just don't like visitors. And I was like, what? This is an uh, owner rental or whatever the term is. Is that right? It was like a warehouse sort of situation. Like, then they don't like visitors. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my, I'll be honest, it's not going great. But at this point, like, I don't know if you have this kind of like water of a duck's back feeling where you're just like, uh, it's a combination of my heart can't take any more disappointment. But at the same time, I could honestly watch a comet hit the earth and I don't think my heart would change its rhythm. Oh, you've died inside. Even uh, more. Even more. No, that was possible. No, it's a, like it's the everlasting relationship with you just slowly grinding me down. <laughs> I presume you've told them that you can only move within a one mile radius of my domicile. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but what have you been doing? Tell me your life. I decluttered the living room. Oh, I saw um, you did your shelves. Yeah, I, I only limited it to the, uh, the burlesque shelf. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that I accidentally ordered a really, really racist white supremacist book? <laughs> no. <laughs> this probably can go in. It's quite funny. So a friend of mine, actually an amazing ex-student of mine, recommended a book to me oh God. called The New Jim Crow. Now, I hope I've got that the white right way one, but if I haven't, the readers will, the listeners, the readers, uh, the listeners will understand and appreciate the dilemma. Um, and it's all, I just watched 13th um, and it's all again about the American prison system in relation to class and race and Jim Crow laws. <clears throat> so drunk, because I'd made this rule at the time where I was just like, if someone recommends a book to me, I'm just going to order it of Amazon Prime because otherwise I forget it and I never read it. Yes, I know about Amazon's evil as we've ranted about it before. Oh, I'm not <laughs> saying... It's a quick solution to ordering books. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not saying that to you, but... <laughs> Someone in their head will be like, oh, Amazon Prime. I know. So, uh, so I went on Amazon, put in the title, found the book and ordered it. And it turned up. And like what often happens is I don't have time to read it straight away. So it just sits on my shelf. And obviously being the smug twat that I am, I was just like, I'm just going to place it on my shelf. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm so liberal and woke. 
<laughs> and uh, an old, old friend of mine and her husband came over and it was the first time I'd met him and they're quite activist. And he was like, that's a really interesting book and you've got on your shelf. Um, how did you come to have that? And I was like, oh, uh, ranting on about my friend and having this discussion and it was such an important book and I can't wait to read it. And he was like, I'm not sure that's the book you think it is. Turns out a white supremacist author in the States wrote a counter book and called <gasps> it The New Crow Gym. So just inverted The New Jim Crow. Yeah, The New Crow Gym as a like racist kkk funded rant against this idea that there was endemic racism within the oh prison population God. and so i unknowingly bought this book and had it on my shelf oh, and not awful. looked at it i know so i went onto amazon and the reviews for this book that i bought were just full of people being like hang on a minute how are you allowed to sell this i thought i was buying this other book it turns out i've accidentally contributed probably to white terrorism in the states by giving funds <laughs> however you've also just possibly stopped all the listeners who are possibly accidentally buying that book from buying it so hopefully hopefully inadvertently by telling your story of <laughs> oh god i'm so sorry that's so awful <laughs> so hopefully by telling your embarrassing story people won't make the same awful mistake <laughs> So the long and the short of it is really make sure that you're buying the right book in case you accidentally fund white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> and the KKK. I think that's a really, 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 really good way of doing it. Oh, it's God, so that's... bad. I just really enjoyed my friend's <laughs> husband as well. Um, or we might have been fiance at the time. And she must have been like, oh, you're really like Tempest. You've got like lots of the same philosophies and like ideas and things. And him just walking into my home and just seeing this book on my shelf and being like, fucking hell where are we yeah you were three steps away from having my mind camp yeah bad times oh god how did we get there um you asked what i did yesterday and <laughs> <laughs> and i said accidentally funded white terrorism <laughs> yeah I mean, like you say, it's, it was an easy mistake to make and we all should be more careful about where we accidentally give our money whilst we're trying to appear woke. Yeah. There you yeah. go. That was the yeah. universe being like, all right, get back in your box. Yeah. <laughs> be better. <laughs> so. Anyway, let's get the fuck on with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got lives to live. Well, <laughs> we've got living rooms to sit in. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, wonderful, beautiful listeners. Welcome back to Gin Salt and whatever just happened for the hour that just happened. Today, we are going to do a very, very, very brief history of uh, dildos, essentially. It was kind of going to be the brief history of sex toys, but I tried doing the history of sex toys. And it is so huge and so big that I can't even do a brief, like even if we just did the highlighted moments, this would be a three hour episode easily. So I'm going to focus mainly on dildos and then dabble into vibrators as a history sort of thing. Yay. Are you game? Are you game, Tempest? I'm game. Are you feeling my vibe? <laughs> <laughs> ah, the puns have begun. Yes! <laughs> I was up until three o'clock in the morning researching this and the puns. I reread the puns this morning and half of them don't make any sense. Brilliant. There's nothing better than a failed pun. Oh, oh, I love it when a pun just like falls like a wet turd like a in the conversation. Dick. Like a limp dick. There are no limp dicks in this episode. I'm Only... excited. 
I'm excited. I'm excited to reread the shit that I wrote last night. So, dildo. What is a dildo, you ask? (laughs) (laughs) So, I originally um, wanted to find the definition of sex toys. So, sex toys were also called adult toys or marital aids. uh, Objects people (laughs) use... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Great. I know, it makes it sound like it's a crutch for your dick. (laughs) (laughs) Or like a little thing that makes it hear better. Mm. Uh, Are objects people use to have more pleasure during sex or masturbation? Sometimes sex toys can have medical uses if you have a sexual dysfunction or medical condition. So that's the basic of what a sex toy is. Actual dildo itself is a phallus specifically used for penetration. And this is made out of material that isn't a human. Um... Or is it? (laughs) Otherwise, that's probably a crime. I haven't got any of that in there, but I I would love to do a cannibalism episode in general because there is a really amazing... I'm not doing that right now. Right. So... (laughs) Serial killers! (laughs) Serial killers, the episode. is not... Dildo's the episode! Okay, carry on. Okay. Actually, first thing, the origin of the word dildo. Dildo is... Thank you. (laughs) Dildo. The origin is unknown. There is no, like, there is, I know, but there is, like, different theories of where it came from. All I know is that the word dildo appeared in the 1400s, so in the 15th century. Okay. It's supposedly derived from the Latin word dilatar, 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 <laughs> which translates to open wide. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and the Italian diletto, 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 for delight. These Catholics are all over it. Oh my gosh. Uh, we have to do nuns the episode because <laughs> <laughs> the amount of... Anyway, don't Actually, worry. Actually, nunneries is a really fascinating topic. Right, it is. Rich- <laughs> we are going to do nunneries because mm. I've ordered three books about nunneries in the Renaissance <laughs> because of this research. Oh, marvellous. I've read some historical fiction on the subject and so oh. I think it would be a good one. So those are the most common ideas of where the origin of the word comes from. However, there is also specifically a possible origin of dill dough. So dill is in the, the herb and dough is in bread. So people think that it's dill dough because often they were made into phallic shapes. And I found that just really funny. Also, on my research, I found out there's a place called dildo. There's a place called dildo in Canada. I just thought you should know that. Okay, good. I mean, the dough thing is, I think, fucking nonsense. But I can understand where they got the logic from because, yes, you pagan make phalluses out of bread and shit. Mm, yeah. We originally thought the oldest dildo in the world was 8,000 years old. <gasps> Why are humans continually stupid? <laughs> 8,000 years old? Seriously? <laughs> yeah, so we thought it was 8,000 years old. It's the clitoris. We discovered it in 2019. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to enjoy this episode then. Well, the main thing we're going to realise is that women have been pleasuring themselves and figuring it out for a millennia. We've known all about it. It's just like men writing it down seems to be revolutionary. (laughs) I love it. I'm eye rolling. You can't hear it on the podcast, but I'm eye rolling. (laughs) So supposedly we originally thought that the oldest dildo was 6,000 to 8,000 years old. We say 8,000 because it sounds cooler. (sighs) It was found in Sweden by uh, G. Gruber. (laughs) And it was made out of deer antler. However, it was really fascinating because it was organic material that should have kind of disappeared. But because it was hidden under layers of clay on the shoreline, it was preserved really, really well. So that was it. That was the what we thought was the oldest dildo for a while. But then a German archaeologist, Petra 
Kieselbach. Kieselbach. Brilliant. Someone correct me. Found the oldest known representation of male genitalia, which is 28,000 years old. Mm. So it is, <laughs> it's a polished stone willy. And I feel like the word willy should be used in more articles. Yes. Is this like a prehistoric dick pic? where men just made clay versions of their dicks to just wander around and show women. <laughs> I really, really like that. And I wish, I wish. Just, just like, would you... They probably weren't wearing, like, really any clothes. You probably just saw it anyway. You probably didn't need to... Well, yeah, but I bet they did anyway. And they just left it lying around in places where, like, you wouldn't expect it. <laughs> Surprise not. Yeah, like, you just <gasps> pull away a loincloth. Ah! Or like, I don't know, a bowl for cooking and hidden underneath is this clay dick and all the guys are like, ah. <laughs> Or like they'd leave little notes being like, haha, my dick's been in your cave. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Lol. And it's always at a bad angle. They, all, they always leave it just at a really bad angle somewhere. <laughs> you just place it next to your face whilst you're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, so this... um it wasn't actually found in one piece it was found and put together from 18 pieces so what i like is not only did someone find like a dick-shaped stone but people found pieces of a dick-shaped stone and put it together and i'm like yes yes humans we're paying you to do that congratulations <laughs> I think it strengthens my theory that it was an early version of the dick pic <laughs> so somebody just smashed it to smithereens in a rage <laughs> it's eight inches long and three centimeters wide it's supposed to be the oldest one and it's made of siltstone and polished to a high gloss. Um, the phallic object was found in the whole Fales cave near Ulm in Germany. However, debate rages on whether or not it was actually used for pleasure or whether it was used for, for like religious ritual. Those who favour the latter argue that the fact that it is life-size and polished to a high degree indicates that it was used for penetration. I was also like, well, how do you know it's just not a dick-shaped rock? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. How patriarchal is this that we find a clay dick and just assume that somebody needed it for pleasure? They could have used it as a doorstop. So one of the other things is that they found recently is as the way it is or the way it was found and markings on it suggest that it was also used as a tool. So, <laughs> But bearing in mind, at 28,000 years ago, we couldn't have anything that was just frivolous and for nothing. We'd have to have something that was multi-use and as useful as possible. Like if you needed something to, for example, nap flint, then you would like just use what you had at hand. And if that was your dildo, that was your dildo. <laughs> I've used my dildo to hold up my phone before when I'm doing Instagram lives multi-use like swiss army knife it's important stuff i like to think it was used for all manner of practical things and people were just like what's this for i mean we can do pleasure through other things i know use it to plug that hole where the mice come through in the cave i know use it for but what i also like <laughs> is that sex would have been relatively available and ready and with very little like conditions twenty eight thousand years ago it was really just a primal thing so you would have acted on instinct but what i like is that self-pleasure was still a thing so it's obviously a part of us and what we do for a lot of people not everyone of course but also that there was just a bunch of women being like men are shit then men are shit now <laughs> um, why would i need you i have this piece of clay <laughs> i have a rock 
<laughs> I, I will sit I on the rock. I can beat someone you. with it and I can self-pleasure. Yeah. It's Ooh. harder than you. Oh, we shouldn't put that in. That's a bit mean. Bit mean. <laughs> you could use it for rolling out the bread dough. <laughs> what is that? It's a rolling and, pin. <laughs> and holding up our prehistoric phones for our selfies. All good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> okay basically when you look into historical dildos it tells you the oldest dildo and then it kind of jumps straight to like 18th century but i wanted to find out what happened in the middle time so i did a little bit of research and i found this really really amazing rumor that one of the first ever vibrators cleopatra made and apparently she filled like a gourd with angry bees and shut them in there so it was like a little vibrating little phallus that is just a rumor it's not true but i really love the idea of female ingenuity being like mm, this will work <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating yeah but in reality most of the toys in that sort of era like ancient egypt and right through to like ancient rome all were like polished wood stone and there's evidence of like beautiful gold and ivory ones that have appeared in that time as well there's also a record of julius caesar presenting cleopatra with an ornately carved gold inlaid phallic sculpture we don't know specifically what that was used for, but we hope she sold it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's lots and lots of phallic art around. My parents have weird ones in their room. Uh, not their bedroom. No, in the living room, obviously. Obviously. Did your um, mum just have a giant, like, awesome dildos around the house and just tell you it was art? Um, well, <laughs> apparently, yes. <laughs> but it's very prevalent in classical in classical architecture and sculpture, yeah. isn't it? It is, it is, it is indeed. We love a willy. Yes. Uh, it is, it is. Phallus's galore. Yeah. Sorry, carry it's on. It's all right. Dick, you know that <laughs> <laughs> this not. is the other thing, which is the dildo sort of interesting word about bread, is that there's evidence in Greece to suggest that they used things like wood and stuff as well, but they also used bread, which I found there was like penis-shaped loaves that were commonly known as, I'm not going to try and pronounce it because I know that I'll not get it right, but it starts with an O and there's about 20 letters and then it ends with an S. <laughs> <laughs> but that's ritual stuff, isn't it? That's yes, symbolism. that's what I thought. Hmm. But it's hard. It's like the same way. It's like, how can you know the attitudes towards sex and know the like nuances of it? Because hmm. like, yeah, it's, it's it's absolutely fascinating. But these were also gifts known to like be given from soldiers to their wives before they went off to battle. That's why they think it was possibly a phallic replacement. Oh, here's my penis bread. Enjoy whilst I'm away. <laughs> dick bread. Oh my God, it's not the tip, it's the bread. <laughs> the bread of the dick. What? <laughs> dick bread. Yeah. Dickhead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice <wasn't it? laughs> yeah, yeah looking into medieval sort of times it was mostly wood basically there was just a lot of time where it was if it was hard it was just sculpted into it it's not that interesting the attitudes around it are interesting where it's considered in the 1400s that it was super like sinful um and there was like there's documents of punishments for women who use objects rather than penises and stuff like that it's quite dark and i'll be honest i started going into it and i was like well there's three hours i'm not doing <laughs> So now we get into the time where it starts to get really interesting. There was just evidence that we've used various different materials as a common practice. There is a really beautiful, amazing dildo that I have to mention that seems to be like a real representation of like the turn 
of like sex toys in history and it's in the 18th century oh it's it's available in the uk to look at and as soon as i can i'm going to find it so it is an exceptional piece and it's made out of ivory so it's an 18th century ivory dildo and it's in the collection at the science museum it's one of the welcome trusts the Welcome Trust owns it. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a picture of it. It's stunning. It's crafted to form a beautiful erect penis. It's absolutely beautiful. And it includes a pump to simulate ejaculation as well, as well as its own discreet little cloth bag that it was being put in. However, the reason this is so beautiful and so interesting is because it was found in a convent in Paris. And that then spiralled me into researching the history of convents and nunneries and their relationship to sex and self-pleasure. And oh my God! (laughs) Anyway, that's another episode. Indeed. We'll call it, I'll have none of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a good year. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel it from my living room. (laughs) So... Uh, it had been hiding there for years and it was hidden in the seat of Louis the 15th armchair. Okay. So at the time, that time, usually dildos were made out of wood and the most common was leather. So you would wet leather and then you would mould it over a phallic shape and then you would smooth it down and that would be most likely what dildos and any sex kind of objects were used of. Really quite bad because obviously it would absorb quite a lot of bacteria and I'm sure cause a lot of people Mm. different kinds of BV and all those sorts of things, but mostly waterproof and blah, 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 blah. But this really was like a representation of showing the times of this becoming this ornate sort of like beautiful common practice sort of thing. The fact that it's simulated ejaculation, I couldn't find any much more about that sort of uh, style of sex toy in that time. But the examples of a leather one, the reason we know that most of them were like leather in that time across the globe, really, specifically because we found examples of it in Poland. They were excavating an ancient latrine in the Baltic city of... <laughs> Our place that existed. <laughs> Gdansk. Nice. Someone correct me. Uh, in Poland... And it was absolutely incredible, um, amazing discovery. I like that they were just looking through a toilet, an old toilet, and they found a penis-shaped object. And one of them just being like, does this look like a dick to you? (laughs) (laughs) And I just love all these like nerdy science gather around being like, yes, it looks like a penis. So it's made from leather and sculpted in the same way we talk about this kind of moulded thing. And then it had a polished wooden knob for the entrance of the penetration the location which it was found suggests that it was used for personal pleasure rather than religious ritual because it was very much in a every man latrine it wasn't like in a prestigious temple or anything however they haven't really disclosed any more information about why it was in the toilet but i do love that this is part of the story so it's an absolute excellent condition and it is supposedly in seven, the late 1700s and it is eight inches long and it is filled with bristles and constructed with a wooden tip. That is that. And then from then on, we kind of use a similar sort of things. Like we didn't get too inventive. The only way that we kind of got inventive since then was the invention of the vibrator, which I will do a very brief history of. <gasps> Not too brief. I'm interested in this. Because... I have so many questions. Mainly because I feel like we could do a whole episode on the vibrator alone. I went into researching the vibrator thinking I knew the history of it, being like, I know about sex. I've read books and I know the things and I've spoken about sex. I have sex toys and stuff. Woo! And I know all the stuff. Now, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was very, very, very fucking wrong. So... 
what do you know about the vibrator? Tell me what you know about the history of vibrator. So I don't know loads, but as I understood it, as I have been taught it, vibrations were an invention of the medical establishment because during the 18th century, um, doctors used to essentially masturbate women to combat hysteria and then their hands got tired. So they needed a machine to do it. <laughs> and that's sort of what we're told is yeah. the secret history of the vibrator. But I know nothing more than that. And even if that's true. So I'm very excited to hear. No, I think that's a general idea. I think there'll be some people listening being like shocked to know that that's a history of the vibrator. But it's like kind of a common thing we know now. It was like it came into practice specifically to cure hysteria. And even though there is sources to suggest that is possible, it's not necessarily, there's no evidence suggests this ever took place in a, a doctor's office. Really? There's a whole film about it. I haven't seen it. This is why I want to do a whole episode specifically just about the history of the vibrator, mainly because it is quite complex. And okay. so I will give you the brief history of the kind of vibrator machine as a personal massager as we know it okay and then we can decide what we think it is because there are two arguments okay cool. so supposedly the french are the people who created and harnessed the vibration idea of a vibration um back in 1734 which is a lot earlier than i thought it was and it was called the très monsieur and it was a handheld device it produced vibration by a wind-up key isn't that charming? Isn't that charming? It's lovely. It's so lo- cute. Lovely. It's a wind-up dildo. Most frustrating thing when that runs out. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and like you're like ah ah ah. Great. Love it. Anyway, so uh, this article that I read specifically about this is supposedly largely purchased by physicians to cure a condition called female hysteria. Those of you who are listening who are not hysteria, hysteria literally translates into wandering womb. If you're ever wondering why I hate the word mass hysteria, two words, not one word, mm, <laughs> is because it's such a gendered word and it drives me up the fucking wall. The hysteria was based on the idea that a woman was either too emotional or had headaches or anything that was because her womb was literally wandering around her body. <laughs> because it was bored. <laughs> well, the boredom I can certainly understand. <laughs> what are you doing wandering around your living room like a womb? Well, that's all women could do, isn't it? I've written my 17th letter today. Oh, I think my, hist- my womb will just go on a walk. <laughs> might go visit the lungs today (laughs) so basically the idea is that an orgasm would cure hysteria because it would give the like this kind of wandering womb purpose this is also based on the idea that doctors didn't know what an orgasm was they just thought it was like a a magical thing or something like that but we knew orgasms existed we knew that we could make orgasms happen we knew about the clitoris we knew all these things it just no one bothered to write it down or no one really bothered to research it in depth i just want to make that really clear like we did know orgasm and we did know there was a clit as long as women have had them we did know that is a place of orgasm we just didn't know how it worked because no male doctor who were the ones who were mainly writing things down gave a shit well they didn't give a shit because from my reading marathon this morning they only really cared about the female orgasm in the extent of whether or not it was necessary for pregnancy 
Uh, which is depressing. <laughs> so there was a lot of chat about the female orgasm, particularly during, I think, the 16th, 17th and 18th hundreds, whilst they rowed over whether or not a woman would need to have an orgasm to conceive. And it's a kind of really depressing read because essentially, whilst they believe that it does, then there's lots of focus on husbands to be able to pleasure their wives properly and like being taught like how to make a woman orgasm. But when they realise that it's not essential for procreation, they just stop giving a shit (laughs) yeah i've heard that as well it's like this is why it's so hard to pinpoint the attitudes towards sex within historical moments in time because we have the documentation of a medical point of view or a political point of view but the actual like general attitudes towards sex in terms of like we know sex is a bit an important and a pleasurable experience from the fact that we've looked into various different like paganism for example has many beautiful like uh, references to really positive attitudes towards pleasure and female sex and there's loads of really amazing things like that and like if you look at it now in our daily world like what will people looking back at our era of time think our attitudes towards sex was fucking who knows because we can't even pinpoint it right now if technology dies Basically, everything that ever gets written about sex will vanish, Mm. which will give a really interesting perspective. Uh, The other reality to the the reason that we know very little about sexual attitudes is or that we have a very particularly skewed narrative of them is of, is classist, of course, isn't it? Because the only things we know about people's personal experiences are from letters and diaries, which kind of like aristocracy and more well-to-do people wrote excessively. But of course, working class people didn't because it's just busy working. Um, yeah. So we only really know what certain factions of society knew about sex and felt about sex and again very limitedly as well but we know virtually nothing about attitudes to sex from non uh, upper classes uh, non-upper classes and non-upper classes men if i'm right majority of like literacy and that sort of thing is documented from men or am i just assuming no i think if you were well-to-do woman you would be literate because writing letters and stuff is part of your day-to-day pastimes so Mm. i think if you if you were a woman with money you were educated to a point you weren't educated to like run things outside of your household but you were expected to be able to read and speak different languages and to write well Mm. cool that's totally right totally true getting back to the vibrator I've been found out that the Americans took that concept of a vibrator further and developed a steam powered version. (laughs) (laughs) And so supposedly the steam powered version was by an American physician called George Taylor. Essentially, apparently it was like a just a vibrating sphere. So it was like a mound, I guess. Oh, okay. So we just like sit on it. I guess uh, that would work. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the logistics of Seems it. Seems right. Um, so this is so this is the history that we've kind of been told, and this is the thing that I'm trying to figure out at the moment. And then the Brits turned around um, and came in at the next level in the 80s with Dr. J. Mortimer Granville, and that is the electromagnetic vibrator. This is the one that everyone talks about. This is the one that's associated with the godfather of the vibrator that we know today as a sexual pleasure toy and it supposedly the granville hammer was created for medical massage and unsurprisingly became a popular treatment for hysterical women (laughs) so the reason i find this really interesting and the reason i got really frustrated because i was like this is gonna be easy i'm just gonna do the history of they made this vibrator they made this vibrator this was how they did it blah 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 let me introduce you to Haley Lieberman 
Haley or Halle came in and basically looked at all the research that had been done and kind of realized that it wasn't necessarily what we think it is. Okay. So what we have to really bear in mind is that modern medical treatment that we're talking from the 1700s through to now, when we did have this kind of concept of vibration and a fast moving sort of thing, is that we did originally just use it for massage because it became very, very clear if you massage an area of the body, it does have a positive effect. It was like an instant thing that we understood. So medical massage as a vibration was common for the entire body, from headaches to like skin conditions, to muscular problems, to stomach issues, to infertility. We would just be using these vibration sorts of things. The fact that it did possibly get used as like a sexual device within that as well to cure hysteria is completely possible and doable. But there is no evidence specifically to suggest that that ever happened in a doctor's office basically the only real evidence we have is a picture of a drawing in the 1880s a man in a white coat and using the vibrator and holding her neck that's kind of the the image that we get of this but i'll be honest as you can hear in my voice i haven't done nearly enough research to formulate my own opinion i know but all i've done is buy four five books (laughs) so like i will have an opinion about this is basically the fact that we used it all over our bodies in medical professions would suggest that we have used it specifically for that. But the fact that it happened on a medical level to produce orgasm is just a little bit vague and the sources are not clear enough. And it's hard to find what's like, yeah, so it's just that kind of like... Uh, oh, that's interesting. I mean, you would have thought, especially at that time, they would write everything down to do with medical treatments and stuff because they were all obsessed with their research. Yeah. Um, so I'm re- I don't know I'm, why that makes me there sad. There is <laughs> documents to suggest that um, it could have been used to massage areas. There is documentation about how they used electric currents from machines to help with period cramps and menstrual pain and general womb pain and things like that. So that is also closely relevant to it and stuff it's it's really interesting basically i've got the exact article that threw me off massively and i will post it with this episode because it's absolutely amazing because um mains is the person who came forward with this history and theory of the um vibrator being used as a treatment for hysteria and stuff so Lieberman and mains are currently bashing heads and it is a fascinating read and i it's like you it's the longest article and i'm probably about halfway through and i still haven't even so pick back up when i come back with an episode that is purely about the vibrator because fuck me sideways but going through that messy bit that i can't quite give you a full answer on do you want to know the countries where it's uh, illegal to have vibrators? <laughs> i do but before that i think it's really interesting when you're talking about using electricity for period pains that when they discover electricity, it just becomes this thing that they think works for everything. And I always find that a really fascinating period of time. They're like, there's this thing called electricity. Shall we drink it? Shall we put it in elixirs? And you get all these kind of salespeople who are like, this is electricity water. It will cure all of your ills. Mm. Do you know what I love about humanity? And it's something that I've really learned throughout this entire research, which I've loved doing, is that we find something new. We find it and we're like, this is amazing, but can we fuck it? <laughs> I say, can we sell it? <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Oldest trade in the book. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just, I'm fascinated. And it's no surprise that when we discovered vibration as an electrical thing that could be readily available, that it did become a personal massager and like vibrators did come out of that. 
now nowadays like vibrators is like a common like just everyone has one which is well almost everyone when did i get my first vibrator i think i was 14 Mm. anyway illegal vibrators oh yeah so it's illegal to have vibrators in the maldives what yeah sex toys are illegal in the maldives it's quite a strict muslim place yeah which we forget because we associate it with overpriced honeymoons (laughs) i forget the maldives is uh, like it's yeah it's interesting so it's mostly islamic states that are uh, illegal because it comes under the category of pornographic material but so it's the maldives you've got areas of india um i read somewhere that even parts of america that it was but i couldn't find any evidence to tell me where it was so i think it's just a rumor to make people feel interested in something (laughs) we have malaysia abu dhabi oh interesting oh the nice um uae that's it thank you i was like words but i'm just trying to find an article that i had which i think you'll enjoy because i got told once that it's illegal to sell sex toys in china unless they have smiley faces on them (laughs) i can't find it anywhere but someone told me it once and i found it hilarious because it made it a toy it didn't make it a sex toy yeah it rings a bell now you've said that there must be a lot of hilarious legislation around selling sex toys in lots of different countries, presumably. If anyone is listening and knows specifically where I can find legislation about the manufacturing of sex toys in China and how they get around it, that would be really, really great. I just assume China must manufacture tons of sex toys. I mean, China manufactures almost everything electrical we use. Yeah, we, might, we make a lot of sex toys in the UK. We export a lot. Do we? Oh. Yeah. Hang on, wait. Oh, God damn it. See, this is such a huge topic. Sex Toy Factory UK. We have a huge one. And it's like in like Somerset or something. Um, <laughs> Did you see the front page article doing the rounds a few days ago about, I voted Brexit and now 10,000 of my prosthetic arses are stuck at Calais. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's in Cornwall. It's in Cornwall. Oh. Mm. Just, just something so British about a sex toy factory. <laughs> why but i'm just like when you said britain i was like oh yeah that makes sense where else yeah so we've been pretty good about sex toys one thing that i haven't got much evidence on didn't really appear much was anything really in india or africa which i'd be really interested in finding more about but again like i said i'm gonna do my thesis in it <laughs> <laughs> excellent well we'll look forward to that hmm. so do you remember the f- how old you are when you first had an orgasm I was thinking about that when we were discussing this topic. I actually can't remember a time where I didn't orgasm. Mm, interesting. Because I spoke to my mum about it and she reckons that I was like, she was like, well, then you must have been masturbating from like, as long as you can remember, you must have been like two or three. Mm. Yeah. I don't ever remember it being like a thing that happened. I just remember I always did it as something that was really nice and fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, I think similarly really young, maybe not that young, but only because I don't remember that far back. I remember during, oh, how old would I have been? Like seven or eight, it was something I used to do when I went to bed, but I didn't know what it was, just that it felt nice. But the thing I found really fascinating thinking about it was like, it was like self-soothing and it felt nice and it was like a really stressful period for like home life because we moved from Scotland to Oxford and that was all tied up with like, I think probably in hindsight, quite a difficult period within my parents' marriage and not having enough money. So I was obviously absorbing the stress of the household and then like making myself feel better. But I, even though I didn't know what it was, I felt like it was something I should hide. Um. And I can't unpick 
where that comes from That's and then really I remember yeah it's weird, no, it's it? the same thing right how funny I don't remember when I learned shame about it but maybe my mum saw me doing it when I was younger and told me that I need to do it on my own or something like that not like obviously trying to like diffuse the situation I'm sure she didn't do it in a harsh way but like it must have been something like that because I've always had it in my head that it's something that I do on my own mm. yeah I remember, yeah, my mum being like, w- w- coming downstairs and being like, what are you doing? But it wasn't her attitude to it that made me feel like I should hide it. I feel like I already felt that way. Mm. And I don't know where that came from. Um, and then I have a very distinct memory of having an orgasm getting out of a swimming pool. <laughs> Which must have been about like five or six. Yeah! <laughs> I, really, and I remember because I was like climbing over the edge and I... I knew what the feeling was. Again, I didn't know what it was, but it wasn't the first time I'd felt it. And that sticks in my head because it's a fucking weird place to have an orgasm. It wasn't like I was rubbing myself on the edge of the pool. It's super, super common to like, swimming pool seems to be like the place where most people have their first orgasm. Like a lot of people that I've spoken to, because I do it, uh, the show that I directed a couple of years ago called My Father the Tantric Monsieur the woman who is in it is her piece and she talks about her first orgasm the one she remembers is in a swimming pool and the amount of people that have come forward and been like mine was in a swimming pool as well so didn't know I was part of a swimming pool gang was it on the jet do you think because people specifically talk about the jet the water jet coming out oh no see that makes a lot more sense (laughs) I was literally like climbing out the pool and I must have just like brushed my glitters up against the edge of the pool like I say I didn't like stay there I was a very orgasmic child. Um, but yeah, I that must be my early memory. But I don't at the time remember feeling like, what is this new feeling? <laughs> so I guess maybe like you. Yeah, just like it's always been like, a, oh, this is a nice thing. I remember knowing it was to do with sex at the age of like, like 10-ish, I think. Okay. When I'd like get that, when I'd make my Barbies have sex. Always lesbian sex. <laughs> always. <laughs> Ken just watched, which now makes so much sense. um i remember doing that and being like oh this is a time when i want to feel the nice thing that i do so i obviously associated it with sex then must have done that's really interesting i'm trying to think i obviously must have done eventually yeah it's all really disjointed in my head it's really interesting and i wonder i wonder when we learn shame around it and I wonder when we learn the connection to that and sex and I'm really interested to see what this generation raising kids attitudes towards that will be because I don't I know that in my lifetime attitudes towards masturbation specifically female masturbations have massively changed and become hugely Mm. more popular and popular as a discussion and in general mainstream it's just like a normal thing now it seems like a normal thing like everyone's like yeah your mum has a vibrator so I'm, I would like to see what happens with the next generation on every account. If we don't die before they fully grow. <laughs> Apocalypse notwithstanding. Um, yeah, it'd be super interesting. The only bit of knowledge, which is entirely anecdotal, I have is from a friend of mine who, to keep this very general, uh, spends a lot of time with late teenagers and early 20 year olds. In a professional capacity, not just hangs out with them. No, I just at the park. <laughs> yeah, by making that sound general, I made it sound more sinister than it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, professionally. And she says that what she finds actually is tied up with 
again, like a much more technological age and a much more social media driven age, there's a lot of talk about like self-sex, but almost to the detriment of having sexual partners. And she's like, it's a really interesting balance because it is important to understand self-pleasure and to understand your body but it seems to be compounding a sense of isolation and not wanting to have shared experiences which needs more unpicking well great let's throw a pandemic on top of that (laughs) so they'll definitely not be having that exacerbated at the moment (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah how do you how do you have that conversation because I really wish that I had more of a conversation about masturbation when I was a teenager, mainly so that I didn't feel that I needed sexual attention or sexual gratification from men specifically, because that's kind of what I was taught, even though I was getting it from women. Mm. It would have basically meant that my attitude towards it would have been much healthier because I wouldn't yeah. have seeked it. I would have been able, I would have felt that it was achievable mm. within myself. But Which is a really positive thing. Yeah, but how does it go the other way? I think it it must be... Because what you've described, I think, would actually be lovely and would probably stop quite a lot of toxicity that happens around your teenage years when you combine it with a patriarchal society Mm. and not having discussions around consent and bodily autonomy in schools and in the home. I have to talk to her about it and maybe report back. But I I guess is it also it's it's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, but it's exacerbated by the problems that come with social media. Yeah, everything's documented now and... Is it is it the fear of looking stupid or like? I'll ask her. Is it the same reason that people don't get drunk anymore? Yeah, I sort of have the impression that it's all tied up in all of that. It's like the fear of looking stupid. It's the fear of experimentation. It's the fear of being judged. It's the fear of not living up to a body standard. I suspect it's all of those things being compounded into a culture that already teaches shame about your body and probably represses a lot of chat about sex. But then maybe for that generation, they feel they have a lot of chat about sex. Or, well, they probably maybe yeah. don't have a lot of healthy chat about sex. I'll ask her, but I thought that was interesting. I'm really interested. Hmm. I couldn't even begin. I don't know any late teens to ask. That would also be weird if I just started asking them. <laughs> I really enjoy them. If they're already uncomfortable about sex, <laughs> just being like, hello, we want to ask you about sex. Why aren't you having sex with lots of people? <laughs> Do you feel shame about your body? Tell us all about it. We're fascinated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you guys prefer masturbation over people? Like, I don't get it. That's totally fine. But when did that happen? How's that going? <laughs> don't worry. We won't tell anyone except our podcast listeners. <laughs> well. Oh. How are you feeling? you feel like we did a thing? I feel like we did a thing. I did enjoy the early sex toys thing. But am I weird? I've always found dildos to be a bit like, hmm... The act of penetration doesn't do much for me. Mm. And so I'm always just like, why would I just want this thing? It does Vibrators, I get, of course. That's just <laughs> a thing. Yeah. That's just shaped like a penis. I don't know. Is that, am I alone? Was no, you know, you're not alone. It's like everyone likes different things. Like, so the one thing we have learned about the clitoris, we have to do the episode of the clitoris. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The one thing we've learned about the clitoris is it isn't just the little like sparkly gemstone on the outside on top of our vagina. It obviously goes around the opening and stuff like that so some people get basically it's just what what suits you so you obviously prefer more external stimulation i'm a duo stimulation like i really i like to have penetration alongside other stuff Mm. but i kind of change it up depending on my mood like it completely depends on my mood 
And also some people don't like vibrators specifically because they numb because for some people they're too intense and they numb your genitalia, which is yeah. totally fair. and makes sense. Like I had, I had a vibrator once that always made my hand numb. And then sometimes I just make my hand numb and then use my hand and pretend it was someone else. <laughs> 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 but yeah, each their own. Dildos on their own without any external stimulation. Fuck no. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I don't. I d- well, that makes more sense. Yeah. I was like, are there these magical people out there who just by putting a dildo in with no external things are just like, oh, this is an amazing time? Um, I'm I'm trying to think if I've ever come specifically with just penetration alone with a dildo, and I can honestly say I can't. But saying that, someone obviously has at some point. Well, they're fucking everywhere, <laughs> as we've discovered. <laughs> oh no! Oh, like honestly, like twenty-eight thousand-year-old Stone Age dick. Like whoever was using it was also rubbing their clit at the same time. I can definitely see that in my head. Because mm. I feel like why wouldn't you? It it's feels. A lot of it feels like. Yeah. Sometimes I just put one in and leave it there because it's just nice to have something inside. <laughs> well, I can get that bit. Yeah. Well, that brings rubbing your stomach and circular motions and patting your head to a whole different level. But we didn't even cross into the fact that dildos like obviously gave way to the strap-on. So there's that. Which makes more sense to me. Mm. Mm, well, what's the difference between a strap-on and holding it? Like, you're just using your hips or using your hand but presumably it's the the flat surface of the dildo it's the you're interacting well depending if you're having full penetration Mm. Mm. on the outside as well yeah there's a lot of logistics basically it's they're good they're great and they didn't really have the technology to do anything that would be clitoral stimulation so this is why i'm convinced that they were also used for other things well as you've suggested yeah but mine are more comedic (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm going to write to some university and suggest my theory of this being an early form of unsolicited dick pic. Okay, cool. That's absolutely fine. I'm. I'm happy that's, for you. That's that's great. That's my belief, and I'm sticking with it. But does this also mean? that based on what you've just said which is you know they were limited to what was available at the time there are various objects that might have been used for clitoral stimulation it's just that since no one's ever given a fuck and in history we only seem to associate the male phallus with being some kind of sex toy there's just all of these things that we think are like pots and stuff lying around that are actually female sex stimulation okay wait 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 so what are you what are you suggesting that people used as clitoral stimulation i don't know maybe like a textured round thing or something but would you use that? that was like massagey yeah that's like a massagey thing but you don't know listeners but i'm doing some great hand actions to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not just saying massagey things in uh, in but yeah okay cool I, I hear you i hear you but in my head i'm like but you just had your hands i would definitely just use my hands if you were going to use a massagey tooly thing my hands are just as also a side note, can we talk about how I'm going to have to go through nail again again? Oh, yes. I love that, the listeners. I've just butchered my nails and gone right back to the natural one. Cut them all short. Oh, I feel awful. <laughs> just don't. Just They're the same like colour as last time. They're exactly the same colour as last time. Hey, nail auction. Oh, no, I'm going to soak them off this time. I'm not going through that. Mm. That was so painful. I'm never going through that again. <laughs> That's going to be your trauma point in yeah. 30 years' time. And then no, she had it this morning, this moment of like, 
I bashed one of them and I was like, oh God, that hurt way more. <gasps> no, because I like would bash them off and it would take half my nail Ooh. off with it. And Ooh. I'm just like, yeah, oh, let's just soak it off now. Let's just get through. Hey, when are we out of lockdown? <laughs> Halfway through March. February. I thought it was the 1st of March. Uh, it hasn't been announced. They implied halfway through February they'd know or they'd reach a stage in the vaccinations where they could have a better idea. So maybe beginning of March, you're right. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm going to do it now rather than... Oh my God, yeah. What do you take them off with? Uh, acetone. Just put, literally just sit my fingers in acetone for like an hour and just peel them off like layers of skin. Yeah, it's great for the nail bed. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> so miserable about this do you know why i'm so upset about it it's because i had covid when i was gonna have my nails done but it makes you feel any better i didn't have covid and still didn't get my nails done yeah but you care less about your nails than i do (gasps) how very dare you (laughs) (laughs) i've never been so insulted in 2021 (laughs) in my life Uh, i think we're done (laughs) anyway although i think it posed more questions than it answered <laughs> this is the problem i hate this episode because i'm like i'm Welcome genuinely back, unsatisfied i'm unsatisfied i feel like my vibrator has run out of charge halfway through and i have to go charge it or i have to manually finish either one of them is going to be laborsome but i'm gonna have to do it because at this moment in time i'm distinctly unsatisfied yes <laughs> i think we're done i think we're just eking out the last few shudders of pleasure it's just, it's just, uh, 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 oh yeah no it's just crap <laughs> uh, um, hey guys thanks for joining us <laughs> for another year uh which we would never have guessed but are thrilled to bits about not everything that has come with that fact that means that we're still stuck in our homes talking uh into a microphone at a screen that gin salt lives and that you're still with us and thank you for not abandoning us during the break and do check out the patreon if you want to listen to our rambly live which was oh, yeah. more enjoyable than i thought it might be. I was like oh no i just remember <laughs> drinking tequila and, and talking shit and whilst that is true there are some nuggets of gold in there <laughs> yeah so do sign up to our patreon for those beautiful wonderful episodes i re-listened to it thinking like, oh god this is going to be awful we do say some really interesting things i am really happy mm. and i was like we are actually funny sometimes yeah yeah when we're nervous so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's only five pounds Come on, pay up. We're back in the pandemic. <laughs> pay up. We're in a- <laughs> no, and I can't work again, so <laughs> cough it up. Uh. Yeah, I'm just leaning into the fact that I'll never be employed again. I am genuinely telling all my landlords that I'm applying to at the moment, like, so what do you do for a living? I'm an online content creator. what did they say next they're like oh okay cool and i was like what does that mean i was like yeah i like edit videos and create content for um third party uh online platforms nice and they're like oh wow cool that sounds really cool i was like that's legit true i don't get paid for it but it's true (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) because turning around and being like i'm a burlesque performer and them going Okay, but with the face that people used to give me when I told them I was an actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of like ah, cool. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. So how's work? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how's landlading. 
oh, you look pretty empty to me. No one's complaining about you. No one's criticizing you for your job. <laughs> oh, how's exploiting other people for cash and what is not a real job? <laughs> it's not burlesque. Oh. Unless you've been unemployed for a year. <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop at it's not burlesque. Oh, It's a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Okay, no, it's fine. Oh. Well, good news for you guys. I'll be plenty of insult, <laughs> ranting, raving and pseudo education. <laughs> Oh my god, we're gonna have so much content over the next like couple of weeks. I cannot wait. And also, I have time to like research and shit. So let's get some meaty topics in. Meaty topics that make me really angry that I can't finish them in time. Yes, nunneries, activism, Catholicism. I thought, given that we keep abandoning the motherhood one, which I still really want to do, we could do childhood. Why? All right, because you won't. You keep saying no to the mother episode. Yeah, mainly because I like. My mum like wants to listen to these. Well, whose fault's that? Yours. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> At least one of our mothers will listen. Well, hang on. If you did an episode about motherhood, would your mum listen? No. No. My mum definitely would. Well, your mum comes to shows and things. Actually, in my parents' defence, so do they. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've seen your mum at a show. I sent them the link to the first gin salt. I was like, oh, you made a podcast. And um, I think they didn't really know what a podcast was. And then um, they were like, oh, that's nice. In the way oh. that they say that where I, they think I've, I don't know, made something up or like, it's the way you talk to a three-year-old child who's like, I've drawn a picture. And they're like, mm, that looks like shit, but I can't really say that. Wow. There's a lot to unpick there. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> mm, no, you're a performer. We all know what happened. I know. I did think when I was thinking about childhood, I was like, there's so much about childhood trauma that just makes performers that I'm not sure we can complain too much. Uh, did you have a nice childhood or are you funny? It's my favourite statement. <laughs> yes! Oh, I forgot that. That's brilliant. <laughs> there is something to be said for building character, eh? Hey, and reading a room quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's so bad, but so so traumatically true yeah oh cool on that note <laughs> have you heard about our producer they also have podcasts Can you <laughs> <laughs> go listen to i might be wrong uk it's fun it doesn't sound more enthusiastic about it <laughs> by our wonderful producer richie ruse do check them out it's all about music and retro stuff get in get involved also a massive huge thank you to Rosie Verbose for our jingle that is still relevant still relevant, <laughs> still still relevant. relevant jingle that uh, we worried this episode. <laughs> maybe last a couple of months uh, turns out no it's a long player no no and if anything they have a network all about mental health and and in the cabaret industry and in the world it's called Invisible Cabaret check it out it's more relevant than ever <laughs> Shout out to our boss bitch botanicon, Faye Wildfire. Instead of singing your name as a jingle, which I was trying to make work to old Lang Syne and just couldn't, check out their Instagram and their burlesque collective, The Coven Burlesque. They did a very cool oh, online lovely. show just before Christmas and I think they'll be working on another one in the next few months. So go and give them some love. Give them a follow. Amazing. Awesome. I can't wait to see what they do. That's really cool. And uh, make sure you check out uh, House of Burlesque Patreon. 
if you want something to do over this um, lockdown. It's full of like amazing dance lessons. You've got ballet from Trixie Kicks. You've got a reverse striptease class from Tempest and Betsy, I believe. Well, these are really amazing things. Like, if you want to like knuckle into spending time doing something that will be both nourishing for your soul and for your body, do sign up. It looks really, really fucking great. Hey, you even appear on some of it. I do. If we get up to 60 signups, by mid-January, we're going to do a movie watch-along. This is the thing that's missing from your life, people. Uh, in the last week of Jan, we can all watch a movie on Zoom and slag it off in the chat and get drunk. Um, and who doesn't want to do that? What are you going to watch? Oh, Undecided. We'll do a poll. You can even have a say in selecting what we watch. Oh, nice. Amazing. Thank you. If your hmm. masturbatory material is running low, uh, your <laughs> dildo needs an extra bit of juice. <laughs> you need an extra visual battery for your vibrator then check out Lolo Browse OnlyFans or if you just like getting off on watching high camp uh, drama um, and sexual escapades in a series of surprising and remarkable situations do have a look uh, is that accurate? I've never seen it. <laughs> I really love it. Someone recently like said that they loved they loved how spontaneous my OnlyFans was and I was like it is so I wake up and I'm like look at the horny thing I did <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you like it filthy and green then check out Lolo Browse OnlyFans or if you like your perversion mossy yeah or if you were to pay somebody to pour liquid from a bottle into a cup and pretend it's pee then find out what lines she's working on Uh, I'm going to keep that really anonymous because basically I just spend the time going uh huh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm. Mm. just doing my taxes If you get off on the sound of receipts being unscrunched and somebody <laughs> desperately trying to work out how they can justify putting it on a spreadsheet, then check it out. Epic. Absolutely epic. I don't think we have anything else to say. I feel like there is something else we say at the end of this episode, but I can't remember what it is. So I guess... See you next Tuesday? Yeah. All right. See you next Tuesday. Oh, wait, no. Thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs> That's what we I say. said thank you. <laughs> Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. Bye. Fuck off. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. (laughs) So you want to be a showgirl, a star of cabaret, but the closure of the theatres leaves a hole in your heart and in your day. Well, here's two artists who miss burlesque gigs, performing and acting moronic. People who, when life gives them lemons, just slice them up for a gin and tonic. Mocking mocktail, the cocking cocktail. Let them show you how it's gin salt with tempest rose and low, low brow. Give us your attention. One second, my cat is banging down the door. Okay, <laughs> my pussies are knocking. Yeah. Oh, nice, well done. <laughs> Glad Lolo's come to work today. <laughs> Whilst Lolo's gone, I'm just going to talk about nunneries. No, I'm not.